I think if people knew that annuities were contractually guaranteed transfer risk contracts that solve for income for life or principal protection or legacy or long-term care, they would gravitate to that. So it is a very small market now. I would say in the next five years, it'll be a multi-trillion dollar market. Because if you just look at the money in IRAs, let's just say it's seven to 10 trillion there. 10% of that should be in contractually guaranteed either principal protection or lifetime income products. That was Stan Haithcock speaking about the large and growing amount of dollars he believes will be invested in annuity products over the next several years. Annuity products, their related trends in future, and the opportunities they will create will be our focus on the next two episodes of Looking Forward. Welcome to Looking Forward, where we speak with experts about marketplace and societal trends, and most importantly, how they might affect you. I'm Jeff Ostroff, the host of Looking Forward. If you're like me, you're fascinated by trends in the future. In fact, several years ago, that was one of the things I focused on in a book I wrote. Well, hello, Looking Forward listeners. Thanks for tuning in. On the next two episodes of Looking Forward, we're going to focus on annuity products. Here in part one, episode number 91, we'll learn about what annuities are, why you might find them suitable for your financial portfolio, some different types of annuities, recent annuity product trends, and COVID's impact on the annuity market. In part two, we'll discuss a lot more, including what the future might look like for the annuity market and what opportunities annuities might offer you as a savvy financial consumer or as a job or career seeker, investor, entrepreneur, or business owner. In addition, we'll get some great tips from our guest expert on how to go about buying an annuity. And who is that expert? He's Stan the Annuity Man, also known as Stan Haithcock. Stan Haithcock is known as America's annuity agent, and he's the top independent annuity agent in the United States. Licensed in all 50 states, Stan is recognized as one of the top thought leaders in the annuity industry. He is the founder of the Annuity Man LLC with office locations in Florida and Nevada. Stan has published seven books on the annuity topic and prides himself on being a consumer advocate for all things annuity. He represents all annuity companies and works with the life insurance annuity industry to promote a contractual guarantees-only approach to educating the public. Stan the Annuity Man has spoken at every major financial trade show in the United States and is a featured annuity expert guest on national TV, radio, and podcasts. With a financial background that includes some of the largest wirehouse organizations, past and present, such as Dean Witter, Morgan Stanley, Payne Weber, and UBS, Stan brings a financial background that most annuity consultants can't match. Stan currently resides in Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida, with his wife, Christine, and he has two adult daughters, Brielle and Brenna. Well, hi, Stan. Welcome to Looking Forward. Hey, it's great to be here. I'm looking forward to the conversation, answering all the questions about annuities and clarifying a lot of the things that people might have in their mind about annuities, but we're going to get the facts out. I'm sure that we will do that and some other things. Stan, you've been involved in the financial services industry for many years now. And I'm wondering if you could share with our listeners 
What made you decide to do that? I know you were also a very good athlete. Mm -hmm. So you possibly could have pursued sports, maybe some other things. Why financial services? Well, there's a couple answers to that. Neither of them are glamorous. I worked for Dean Witter, which then was absorbed by Morgan Stanley. Then I moved to Payne Weber, which then was absorbed by UBS, Union Bank of Switzerland. But the reason I got into the financial services business is pretty interesting. Both of my parents were college basketball coaches, and I did play in college. I guess you don't have a choice when your mom's a college basketball coach. So so I went to college. I, I graduated from the University of Central Florida. And one of the sponsors of our Christmas tournament was one of the firms. And it was one of the only job offers I really got coming out of college that intrigued me was being a stockbroker. Back then, you were a stockbroker. Now, that was an interesting time. Back then, there was no computers. There was no internet and things like that. So I was a stockbroker and we built positions in stocks and I was 100% commission from day one. I, I didn't know any better not to take that. All they told me was, if you work hard, you'll do well. And, you know, being a college basketball player in Division One, you learn how to do that. But the other reason was that my parents really never bought stocks and they never really accumulated a lot of money. Mm. So in my travels athletically, I ran into people with lots of money and I was always intrigued by why they had it. And the common theme was they were investing in the markets or they were investing in vehicles that can make them money. And that was foreign to me. So I think that really intrigued me. And I've been doing the financial services business since my last free throw at University of Central Florida. Isn't that interesting? In a way, uh, using a basketball term, which has become a very common term, you kind of pivoted. I love the way that word has become so common now. We pivoted, right? But that was first used in sports. Question for you. Mm-hmm. So there you are, you're working in the financial services industry, kind of a Wall Street type guy with sure. Wall Street companies. You decide to leave, Stan, and you decide to focus on our topic today, which is annuities and annuity trends and so forth. Why? Well, when I first started out with Dean Witter, it was an autonomous business model. You could build your own business. If you wanted to be a muni bond specialist, you could be or a stock specialist. And then when Morgan Stanley took over Dean Witter, it kind of changed a little bit. And I didn't want to work for that big of a firm. So I went to Payne Weber and they were very autonomous. They'd let you do what you want to do as long as it was obviously in the best interest of the customer. And so I really enjoyed Payne Weber. And then all of a sudden, Union Bank of Switzerland bought them and they came in and really were stringent upon the types of things that they wanted you to show clients. A lot of the payout was based on the products that they wanted you to sell. And that's just not me. I'm a contrarian and I'm a very outspoken person and I believe what I believe. And I believe that not everybody needs a wrap account or not everybody needs a mutual fund or not everybody needs you know a bond fund or not everybody needs a credit line or a mortgage. And UBS was trying to kind of get us in that. And I didn't want to do that. So I come from a family in the Carolinas, North Carolina, that you know we didn't really have any money. So that scar is left from you never want to lose a penny. So I took some time off and I just kind of did my research on, okay, where could I go where I could feel comfortable selling things that will never go down in value? Because I'd been through 1987. I didn't want to do that again. And so contractual guaranteed annuities were kind of where I gravitated. I said, okay, I can do that. I can sell things that are never going to go down in value that are contractually guaranteed. And that's really how simplistic of a thought that my business model was. And to this day, it's the same thing. You know, my saying is you own an annuity for what it will do, not what it might do. And the will do are the contractual guarantees. We never sell 
anything with hypotheticals or theoreticals, and I do not sell variable annuities, nothing against them, but they can go down in value. So I'm just selling contractual guarantees that primarily solve for principal protection, income for life, legacy, or long-term care. And it's really that simplistic of a model. And fortunately, we have a very good direct-to-consumer model where you can get my books and run your own quotes and things like that. Because I do think eventually the annuity industry will be direct to consumer. Right now, we're as close as you're going to get to that. Yes. And I do have to say, people, that one of the reasons why I wanted to bring Stan on looking forward is I was very impressed. I actually had contacted Stan a while back about obtaining, purchasing an annuity. And he was honest enough to tell me, and you don't hear this very often, Jeff, I don't think you need an annuity. And I thought, whoa, somebody's telling me who's in financial services, I don't need something that they sell. Okay. Anyway, enough of that. Stan. By the way, the genesis behind that yeah. is my grandfather, Hunter Garrison, was a mill worker, worked in the textile mills in North Carolina. You know, he wasn't very educated, but he was smart. And he told me a long time ago, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. And honestly, that's it for me, because there's no reason to sizzle these things up. They're not too good to be true. They're pitched that way sometimes, annuities as a category, but they're contracts. So I really just go by my grandfather saying it. I know that sounds hokey and I know that sounds salesy to people, but it's really not. And I think Jeff realized early that I was going to tell him the truth, period. Yes. Well, you can't beat that. There's no better way to operate. We've been using this word, Stan, annuities, Mm -hmm. which, you know, backwards, forwards, upside (laughs) down, whatever. And I've learned a little bit more because of your great education. Mm -hmm. Can you please try to briefly explain to people what do we mean by an annuity? Well, first of all, you know, when you hear the ads that say, I hate all annuities, or if you have an advisor that says that, it's very uninformed, very uneducated. If you're in the United States and you have a social security number, you already own one. It's called social security. That's the best lifetime income annuity for inflation on the planet. If you ever purchased a CD or bond, there are annuity types that function similarly to that with a guaranteed interest rate, protection of principal. Annuities started in the Roman times. That's the genesis of the annuity thought. That's where the word comes from, annual, which means annual payment or payment. And in the Roman times, the, uh, the Roman Empire developed a lifetime pension payment for the dutiful Roman soldiers and their families. That's today's single premium immediate annuity. So there are four different types of annuities that provide lifetime income. Then there's other types that provide principal protection or some for legacy, some for long-term care. But the monopoly that annuities have as a category is that it's the only product that will pay as long as you're breathing. It's the only product that will pay for life. And that's the transfer risk benefit that the annuity category provides. But in essence, annuities are transfer of risk contracts that primarily solve for four different things. And those four things is the acronym PIL. P stands for principal protection. I stands for income for life. L stands for legacy. And the other L stands for long-term care. So those are the things that annuities contractually solve for. But um, what I want your listeners to understand is when you say the word annuity, it's like saying the word restaurant or saying the word shoes. There's many types of restaurants. There's many types of shoes. There's many types of annuities. It really comes down to what you're trying to solve for. I always ask two questions to everyone. What do you want the money to contractually do? And when do you want those contractual guarantees to start? From those two answers, I can determine, A, if you don't need an annuity, 
Or B, if you do, which one will provide the highest contractual guarantee for the goal you're trying to solve for? Okay, that's a good overview. Looking forward is about looking into the future. Mm -hmm. But of course, what we first like to do is go a little bit backwards. Mm -hmm. And so you went way backwards and you Mm -hmm. talked about Roman times and the origins of annuities. If we bump things up a bit, Stan, to say the last maybe 20, 30 years, Mm -hmm. have there been many changes in the annuity market? who they're for, the products that are being offered, how they're being sold. Could you speak a little bit about how things have evolved in more recent times? Certainly. And I think this is a great example of how consumers mold industries. You know, consumers always tell the industry what they want, and the industry creates the products that they're wanting to buy. And so this is a great example in the annuity industry. 30 years ago, the only annuities that you could buy, the majority were lifetime income annuities. Now, from that, people said, you know what? I don't want to do that. I I don't want a lifetime income stream. I want to protect the principal. So then they introduced multi-year guarantee annuities, which is the annuity industry version of a CD. Then people in 1995, when indexed annuities were introduced, they're saying, I want a little bit better than, I want the potential for better MIGA return, but I want to protect the principal. That's an indexed annuity. So that came out in 1995. Okay. Then people in the the 90s said, well, I, I want an immediate annuity structure but I want to start the income stream two or three years from now. Well, that's called a deferred income annuity. And then in um, 2008, people were really scared when the markets went down and then the proliferation of income riders attached to deferred annuities, those became very, very popular because income riders, they secure and guarantee a future lifetime income stream of which you can turn on in the future, but it's attached to say an indexed annuity. They call it in the industry, I don't like using the word, but they call it a hybrid model where you can have accumulation and you also have income if needed. And then the last thing that happened in 2014, and I'm sure there's going to be more the different types of annuities coming out, was qualified longevity annuity contracts, which were developed by the IRS and the Department of the Treasury for use in your IRAs, meaning that you can take your IRA money and have a future pension with you and you can actually add your spouse to that even though it's your IRA and then that amount of money is not used to calculate your requirement of distribution so it saves you from taxes. So if people say we'll never put an annuity in an IRA, that's misinformed and uninformed because the IRS and the Department of Treasury, you know, they have stepped in and said, yes, it's okay and we approve it. And then just recently there's been what's called buffer annuities, a shield annuities, registered investment, indexed annuities, they're called RILAs. The industry is always adapting to what the consumer wants. And let me close that answer with one thing. Here's the reason why. There's a demographic tidal wave happening. 10,000 baby boomers are hitting 65 every single day. And trust me that the annuity companies want to get in the way of that with the products that people want to buy. And what we're seeing more and more is flexibility. Americans, they want to have their cake and eat it too, or at least get close to it, right? So the annuity industry is trying to figure out how to contractually offer the benefits that people want and give them the flexibility. So I think in the future going forward, I think you'll see different products and different machinations of the products. They will continually be pro-consumer because the consumer is demanding that. Yeah, we're going to come back to the future in a little bit here. For the moment, we'll stick with the U.S. and then we'll get into more global focus here. What 
Stan, roughly speaking, would you say is the size of the annuity market, whether it be related to the dollars put into it, the number of companies that are offering products, people like you who are Mm -hmm. selling products, and then the consumers themselves. What does the market look like? Well, we just talked about the consumers. So the consumers are growing because the baby boomers are hitting 65, 10,000 of them every single day. The distribution of annuities, the selling of annuities has increased because the banks and the brokerage firms and the registered investment advisor types, I call them masters of the universe, (laughs) they have now come around to say, you know what, we're going to offer annuities. Why are they doing that all of a sudden? Because just three or four years ago, they were all saying, don't ever buy an annuity. We hate annuity. Why? It's because they have realized that their consumers want guarantees, regardless of market growth, regardless of market potential regardless of market history, when you hit chapter two of your life, people want guarantees, whether that's principal protection guarantees or lifetime income guarantees. And the other thing that I think the world and our country is realizing, there's not many companies that offer pensions unless you work for the government or a very good labor union or or less than 10% of private companies. If you don't work for those people, you don't have a pension. So going back to the original definition of annuities, which the only product that provides a lifetime income as long as you're breathing, annuities are your personal pension. So that's another thing that's happening out there. The demand is driving people to the annuity sector because annuities have a monopoly. From the standpoint of sales, depending on who's counting, it's a three to $500 million a year and upwards going further, a little bit more than that per year of sales, which is minuscule to what it should be. Mm-hmm. And I blame the annuity industry because the annuity industry has done a horrific job of messaging, a horrific job of marketing, a horrific job of explaining. All they've done is given me a huge lane to go do that for them. In essence, if I was czar for the annuity industry for one day, I'd solve the whole problem. If anyone of you out there remember the Got Milk ads where the guy yeah. had or the lady had the, the milk mustache, yeah. I would just, the ad would be Got Guarantees and the question mark. That's the annuity sector. It's a contractually guaranteed transfer of risk contract. And I think if people knew that annuities were contractually guaranteed transfer of risk contracts that solve for income for life or principal protection or legacy or long-term care, they would gravitate to that. So it is a very small market now. I would say in the next five years, it'll be a multi-trillion dollar market because if you just look at the money in IRAs, let's just say it's seven to 10 trillion there. 10% of that should be in contractually guaranteed either principal protection or lifetime income products. So I think the annuity industry is going to be successful in spite of themselves because they're in the way with a monopoly, if you can believe it. And I guess part of the challenge for the consumer is that there have become so many different annuity products Mm -hmm. that it can get very confusing. And we'll come back to you later on this because I know you zoom in on one particular kind of annuity product that makes it simpler for people to understand because that's the one that you... Once they answer the questions, yes. Now, let's take this to the next level, looking at the global marketplace. Mm -hmm. We have quite a few listeners still looking forward who do not live in the United States Hopefully, we'll soon actually have an arrangement with a large company in Africa who will be distributing our podcast specifically to their listeners. So we've got a big group of people here who aren't USA people. Correct. What can you say about the global interest in 
annuities, the global availability of annuities. Can you potentially sell an annuity to somebody who lives in Africa or Spain or someplace else? How does that play into all of what you said, Stan? Well, currently, I cannot sell globally. Who knows what's going to happen in the future? And in order to buy a United States-based insurance company annuity, and life insurance companies issue annuities, by the way, okay, you have to be a, a resident of a specific state and have a social security number. There's very stringent rules for you to purchase an annuity in the United States. Now, there are other countries that have them, but I think globally, people are living longer, people need guarantees, people need pensions, and depending on what country you're living in, whether you have that guaranteed income floor provided by the government or not, most people need additional income. I think what COVID has done is made all of us realize life is short and life is fleeting. And we need to make sure that we're maximizing every day. And if the job that we're currently in isn't fulfilling us to a point, I think people are making interesting decisions on, and and they could be either good or bad, depending on the situation, on what do I want to do and how do I want to structure this? And should I put in a pension type payment earlier than I had planned so I can live a better lifestyle and have that what I call income floor? And to define the income floor is the amount of money that's hitting your bank account every single month, regardless of who's in office and what's happened geopolitically, is that guaranteed income stream that everyone needs to pay the bills and live their lifestyle. But globally, my finger is not on that pulse as probably as as much as it should be. And the only reason for that, Jeff, is I'm kind of waiting for the markets to come to me. There will come a time where I think there will be global access to products whether it's, you know, you're dealing in euros, US dollars, crypto, whatever it is. And maybe crypto is the secret sauce to drive products to a more global standard because that would be the underlying asset. I think we're a long way away from that. But I'm just, you know, you asked me the future. I think that's the future. And I think uh, once crypto kind of cleans itself up a little bit and the dust settles, I think you'll see some interesting thoughts going in that direction from the standpoint of pensions, income, guarantees, things like that. Well, let me ask you a follow-up question. In today's world, somebody who lives in the United States, they want to buy a fixed annuity. Uh Mm -hmm. They they might call Stan the annuity man. Mm -hmm. If I'm listening to this show and I'm in Spain or I'm in Belgium or I'm in Hong Kong or I'm in Africa, are there products that I can buy in those countries? Do you know? Not familiar with those specific countries. I don't think so. In most countries, they're not as ahead of the curve as we are from these guaranteed products. Like I said, I think that's coming. You see politicians already talking about a guaranteed income stream for people. At some point in time, they're going to have to privatize that thought. You and I both know that because there's not enough money to tax away. There's going to be, there's going to have to be some type of private privatization of that pension type thought. But in other countries, I really, you know, I'm just not familiar with, with those countries. But you know what? I think over time, and I'm the leading agent out here and been doing this for so many decades, I do see more and more people calling me every day about that. I have more and more people every year expatriate from the United States. In other words, buy the annuity a year, like this year, and then, then move to Costa Rica or Panama or somewhere. And then the income stream continues just going to a different bank account in Panama. Now, with that being said, I will tell you that uh, the United States has very, very strict rules in, in place with annuities from the standpoint of the sourcing of the money from a money laundering standpoint. They're very, very on top of that. 
and life insurance and annuities are a product that people do target, criminals do target for money laundering. So very stringent laws. And, you know, one of the things we do and when we're asking questions on where the money's coming from, we have to make sure that it's from a bank here, et cetera, in the United States. So my focus and my, um, unfortunately for the, for the international listeners, my focus and my comments are based on the United States market. However, from the standpoint of the product structure guarantees and things like that, other countries might offer those. I know Canada does, et cetera. There's just different rules for each country. Okay. That's great. Dan, I want to come back to something that you briefly mentioned. You were talking about the impacts of COVID. You mm-hmm. talked about people realizing that life can be very short. Mm-hmm. The great resignation in the United States and happening some other places, which we're going to also come back to later on. But for now, let's talk about COVID. So from your perspective, what impact, if any, Stan, has COVID had on the interest that people might have in annuities, on the awareness of the annuity products? Maybe even you started to talk about changes in the annuity products. And I don't want to get into the future yet. We'll, we'll get to the future. But how are you seeing COVID having an impact on the annuity business from any vantage point, if indeed you're seeing any change? No, we are. And, and people need to understand, once again, that life insurance companies issue annuities. So there's a lot of been a lot of life insurance claims on the 900,000 people that have unfortunately passed away in the United States. I know there's more globally and our condolences to anyone who's lost someone. So because of that, there's been a lot of death benefit claims, et cetera, in a time period where interest rates in the United States and, and other countries are at perceived lows. So that puts pressure on that life insurance company as well. It's just been a tough time for life insurance company issuing annuities because remember, they just have, they have to contractually guarantee the payments if it's a lifetime income stream, which leads us to how that's priced. When you buy a lifetime income stream annuity from the four different types of annuities that provide lifetime income, that pricing is primarily based on your life expectancy or mortality credits at the time you take the payment. Actual interest rates play a secondary pricing role. People don't know that. It's about your life expectancy. Think about people that are in the United States. Think about Social Security. The older you are, the higher the payments. So what COVID has done, back to the original question, is in the short term, it's lowered life expectancies a little bit. Okay? Now, I think that's short term. I think long term, and this I want to say this politically correct and not to be morbid, But a lot of the people that passed away, and I'm just speaking in the United States, had comorbidity issues, whether it's overweight, diabetes, et cetera. I think that the life expectancy tables, when the dust settles from this pandemic, and hopefully it's an endemic right now, that the life expectancy tables will then go up because a couple of things have happened. Number one, you know, those people that had the comorbidity issues have passed away earlier than planned. And then also, I think people got a wake up call to they need to start eating better, taking care of themselves and exercising more. And that's going to, you know, when the actuarial tables come out in the years to come, I think you're going to see a life expectancy be pushed out, meaning they're going to predict you're going to live longer, which means that payments will be, there'll be more payments, which means the guaranteed payments will be lower in dollar value. It's just basic math. Yeah. There are people that disagree with me on that, but I think my logic is sound. And I've been doing this for a long time. It's relatively predictable 
that this is going to happen, but I think the life expectancy tables won't be changing within the next five years. If they do, then that would be a surprise, but eventually they will and they will change against you, meaning they're going to predict you're going to live longer. Okay. How about as far as people's interest in awareness of the demand? You sort of touched on this. People thinking, geez, life is short. Maybe I'll be thinking more about having this sort of a guarantee. Is there anything that you're seeing there, Stan? I think the markets have been so good. I remember when people in 2008 saying, Stan, you know, I got hurt so bad in 2008. I'm never going to let this happen again. Well, here we are. And, you know, people have forgotten that and the markets have been great. But at some point in time, you know, I'm assuming it's going to adjust or Bitcoin's going to kind of un- unwind a little bit and um, the dust will settle with that. And when I say Bitcoin, I'm talking about crypto in general, not yeah. blockchain. Blockchain technology is legitimate. Just think of crypto as like the dot-com era. I went through the dot-com era and Morgan Stanley where you had companies going public that didn't even have a balance sheet and, you know, they go up in value in 50%. This is nothing new. It's nothing that we haven't seen before. And if you want to track it back to the, I think, tulip bulb craze in the 1700s where people were buying $1,000 per tulip bulb. So, I mean, we've seen, we've seen this type of ecstasy with certain genres, but I think people's interest in the annuity space, or let's just say the contractual guaranteed space, has just been heightened because COVID has given us time to reflect whether good or bad on just where we are in our life and what we want to do. And I think, you know, the great part about, I can't say great part about a tragedy, but, you know, as, as human beings, we learn from things, even if it's negative, we learn from it, we come out better. I think as a country, we're going to come out better because we're going to realize, you know, the things that are important should be placed as important in your life. And life is fleeting, so you might want to enjoy the day. I always tell people, my clients, there's no U-Hauls behind hearses. That's kind of a Southern statement. But if you think about it, you can't take it with you. So I'm not saying go to Vegas and bet red, but I am telling you that uh, bucket list you have and those check boxes might want to get the pencil out and start checking those things off. Good point. And they would be applicable to people no matter where they live. Bingo. This concludes part one of our two-part series on annuity products, their related trends in future, and the opportunities they will create with our guest expert, Stan the Annuity Man Haithka. If you have any questions you'd like to ask Stan or me, please contact me at my website, www.jeff-ostroff.com. And if you like this episode, I'd really appreciate your liking it or giving it a positive review on the podcast hosting site where you listen to it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Looking Forward. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something. I also hope that you'll tell others about our show. If you have any comments or ideas for future episodes, please contact me at my website, jeff-ostroff.com. That's jeff Ostroff, O-S-T-R-O-F-F dot com. This is Jeff Ostroff inviting you to join us again next time on Looking Forward.